Starwalker Studios presents Planeswalkers of Nyx, the Magic the Gathering podcast for the rest of us. the fourth episode of Planeswalkers of Nyx, a casual podcast for all those who play and love Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Nikki Starwalker, an honorable blue Planeswalker. And I'm Lex Starwalker, a preposterous purple Planeswalker. We've got a great show for you today, so pour yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the fourth episode of Planeswalkers of Nyx. What manner of man are you that can summon up fire without flint or tinder? I am an enchanter. By what name are you known? There are some who call me... Tim. This week, we have been up to a few things in magic. Um, and I, for one, have played a little bit of Duels of the Planeswalkers 2013. And I still can't beat that white guy. Uh, it sounds kind of pathetic. His name is Audric, and the deck is Master Tactician's Peacekeepers. Is he old? Mm, no. Oh. He has some gray in his hair, but you know, he's just like... Oh, then he's old. <laughs> no, that does not mean you're old, Lex. Is he dead? <laughs> no. Oh. S- he's blue and white, not oh. black. <laughs> so he's not an old, dead white guy? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, when, when I was... When I was studying anthropology, uh, one of my archaeology professors used to talk about the the old dead white guys, because when we were learning the history of anthropology, we had to learn about a bunch of old dead white guys. (laughs) Although I must say anthropology has a refreshingly large number of um, very important women in its history compared with some of the uh, older sciences. Oh, yes, definitely. You're telling me about that. There's a lot of women in it. Yeah, so um, now that I've totally derailed the conversation, I got to ask you, um, I noticed in the sign-on today, you said that you're a blue planeswalker now. Um, what's yes. up with that? And I said honorable blue, hoping that that would bring in the white aspect, but I played a white and blue deck recently. Okay. It was a dual deck, and I loved it, and now I want to do more white-blue um, combinations in my decks. Really? Yeah, I'm very interested in that now. It could be that you've moved to the next level, Grasshopper. <laughs> I've leveled up in magic. Maybe, maybe, maybe. because it, it seems like um, that for a lot of people, blue is the least favorite color of the beginning player to intermediate player, and mm-hmm. blue is the favorite color of the advanced player. Right. So, I mean, obviously that doesn't apply to everyone, but it applies to a lot of people. So, so maybe you're, you're moving up, mm-hmm. moving up that ladder. Yeah. You're not yeah, a schlub anymore. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> 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 At least I have your vote of confidence. Well, I, 
yeah i mean i wouldn't still would not do an all blue deck i think not because i'm terribly uh intimidated by it but just because i'm actually more interested in the white part of it and i like how they they play together so interesting yeah so oh i said audric was blue and white i think sorry just kidding he's all white and okay. i tried the chandra deck against him a few times like you recommended yeah. i think on our last podcast and still could not beat him i played four times four or five times with that deck and could not do it so man i don't know what i'm doing wrong <laughs> well you it's know on that game every time you defeat someone in mm -hmm. the campaign you unlock a new card right and it doesn't matter if you've defeated them before so what you could do is go play some of the earlier opponents, like decide which deck you're going to use, go play some of the earlier opponents mm -hmm. and unlock some more cards and, and um, doctor your deck some more. And maybe, maybe that will help. I don't okay. Know. That's a good tip because I really haven't unlocked a lot of cards yet. So are you mulliganing when you should mulligan and only playing yes, the hands but that's, you should play? Again, probably one of my weaknesses is being like, I can do this. I'll pull through with these like two lands that aren't the right yeah. color. <laughs> yeah. That that could be your, your problem because if you're not you know, anytime you're facing an opponent or a deck like that that's extremely challenging if you're not starting out with a with a hand that can win mm -hmm. um you're kind of screwed and and i've noticed that with that game i've been doing a lot of the revenge ones again because i i've gone through the whole thing and the whole revenge thing mm -hmm. um completely so now i'm going um i'm playing that blue deck i like and i'm just going through it again and again just trying to unlock all the cards it's kind of stupid i could pay 99 cents and unlock them all but yeah i just want to like unlock them the good old-fashioned way mm -hmm. and there there are just certain decks that i go against that you know maybe they're just really good against my particular deck or they're just it's a really good deck because on revenge you know they've got all the cards unlocked mm -hmm. and uh you know some of those i just have to um you know, I just have to keep uh, mulliganing and then restarting the duel until I get a decent hand. Because if I'm starting out with only two land or, you know, five land or something like that, or even I have three or four land, but I don't have any spells I can play until turn four or five or something like that. Like, I'm just, I just know I'm not going to win against some of those decks. So you can, it's kind of cheating, but you can just hit escape and restart the duel mm -hmm. um, after you've used up your free mulligan and keep doing that until you get a halfway decent hand just to get past that guy. Yeah. Do you consider that cheating? Um, it, in, it is in the fact that that is not something you could do in an actual man magic game with a real person. Right. That's but true. it's not cheating because the game lets you do it. So right. it's technically not cheating. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, usually, you know, it, at least in a duel I would play with someone, I would not be going up against someone with a deck with all these crazy mythic rare cards in it. And all I've got are commons and <laughs> I'm basically right. playing like an intro deck against like something even better than an event deck. And mm -hmm. so that's already like a really unfair matchup. So fuck it, you know, <laughs> why not? Cheat your way to victory. It's only cheating if you get caught, right? <laughs> I see. <laughs> and let's see. Oh, I played the Theros Wizard's Tower, which you were present for. 
again. And I'm always like, oh, I won't, I won't talk about Wizards Tower again on the podcast. But it's so much fun. I love it. So we had a blast playing. I think you just liked it because you kicked my ass like, <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah. In fact, what did we play two games or three games? I think it was three games. Yeah. In all those games, I got one forest. Oh, the oh, whole time. Right, and by yeah. then it was the end of the game and it was too late to matter. But I kept getting, I would have all these green and black cards in my hand and I would have no forests and no swamps. And I don't think I ever did get a swamp. Um, oh, wow. But that, that was kind of weird. And so, yeah, I was kind of like having color problems. Um, and yeah, you like totally annihilated me every game. So, so good on you. <laughs> the student has become the master. <laughs> That's right. Damn My straight. work here is done. <laughs> I will now go to the next plane of existence where we play magic with light instead of cards. <laughs> wow. Good times. Yeah. I think we need more colors for that. Um, yeah. So that was a blast. And I, yeah, I, I will never get sick of that Wizard's Tower. It's way too much fun. And just for the listeners, um, we haven't made any more changes to our Theros Wizard's Tower beyond what we discussed a few episodes ago. So um, the tower is working really well. We just keep playing with it as it is. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to Born of the Gods coming out. Um, I already have a fat pack on order. Supposedly it's already shipped. It's on its way here, um, which is kind of amazing considering it's pre-release weekend and you're not supposed to be yeah. <laughs> able to buy these cards. What's the deal? I don't know. I'll believe it when the fat pack is actually in my hands mm-hmm. before next weekend. I, I, I'm suspicious that it hasn't actually shipped and they're pulling my leg and because I did actually pay a little bit more than the MSRP mm-hmm. for it. I believe the MSRP is thirty nine ninety nine and I okay. paid like forty six. Oh wow, okay. For it. But like I was really wanting it on pre order and oh, I figured, yeah. well, if it doesn't ship by the time I can just go buy one, I'll just cancel. Mm-hmm. Um but supposedly it shipped and it's on its way, so um it's supposed to get here sometime between Monday and Thursday, which any of those days are before the seventh, which is the day that they're supposed to be released, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say where I got it because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But you know, some someone pulled one over on Wizards, I think. You know, <laughs> assuming I actually get the right. thing, yeah, which I may not. We we don't know yet. We'll, we'll see. We'll have to report back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I also played Face the Hydra with you, which was awesome. Yeah. So um, I don't know if people know this, but you, well, I haven't checked recently, but um, you can still get Face the Hydra. Um, I got it on Amazon and it was pretty cheap. And uh, I'm I'm sure there's a limited supply because I don't think Wizards makes them anymore. Okay. But uh, if you if you're like us and you miss the Theros pre-release and you want to try Face the Hydra, um, you can totally get it on Amazon. And I don't think I'll say anything more about it because we we might talk about Face the Hydra on a future episode for format favorites, huh? Okay, Maybe? yeah, I think we should. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of fun. Um, and then in for this next set, Born of the Gods, they're going to have something pretty similar. Face the Horde, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, which is a horde of Minotaurs, right? I We're think pretty so. sure. I mean, that's what it looks like. From the art. And, yeah. Yeah. And we know that, that Minotaurs are one of the clans or tribes in Theros. And, right. Um, I mean, 
to me, I, I don't know where I get this from, but when you say horde, I think monsters. I don't think of like a horde of humans. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm willing to bet that you get it from WoW. <laughs> no, it's no, way, no. Oh, okay. Oh, no. that's true. You've been gaming much longer than yeah. I have. So, <laughs> I don't think there's anything original in WoW. But anyway, that's that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yes, um, it is. Yeah, but I think of orcs. Other stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but no, um, when I think horde, I think monsters, I, I, I think a horde of minotaur makes sense. Okay. Um, a horde of krakens, although terrifying, I, I just don't see that happening. <laughs> no. Um, or a horde of whales or sea lock monsters or no. whatever. So, um, I think minotaurs are a safe bet, especially when you, when you look at the art. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and, um, one of the gods is, is a minotaur god. Is it, is it Mogus? Yes. Is that his name? He's yeah. a black red god of, war or something like that and mm -hmm. he's totally his avatar's a minotaur so uh I, I think that's a safe bet okay yeah roughly based on the god of war i believe in the greek myth Ares. yeah Ares. that's his name yeah um yeah it'll be interesting to see right now my prediction my guess is that face the horde will be similar very similar to face the hydra mm -hmm. only instead of a bunch of heads you're gonna have a bunch of minotaurs okay so uh -oh. Well, that would be fine. I forgot to silence my phone. That's all right. Someone's trying to get in the ready room. <laughs> you may come in. We we are sending a very important priority message to Starfleet right now. Please do not disturb us. <laughs> That's right. Just, you know, stay on course. Maximum warp. Shields up. <laughs> all right. Turning off my phone. All right. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, face the Hydra. I played the white and blue deck, and that's when I fell in love with the two colors. I already liked white, but blue didn't really trigger my imagination until we played that game. Now hmm. I'm really curious. So yeah, um, I it's kind of ironic. I was playing a blue and white deck as well when we went up against the Hydra. I was mm -hmm. playing the Theros event deck. Um, which we've had forever, but I haven't played it a whole lot because it's blue and white and. I'm not a fan of white, um, okay. but uh, it was all right. Just I'm, I'm all still, right. yeah. I, I'm the jury's still out on that deck. I haven't played it enough to know if I really, really like it. Um, but one thing I noticed, I, I mentioned to you, is kind of weird. Is I kept getting these Battlewise hoplites, mm -hmm. which are a blue white two two. Um, I think maybe it's a human soldier creature, but it's a two two like heroic it. creature. And every time you you target it with the spell. Um, it gets a plus one, plus one counter, and you get to scry one. Um, and we played against the Hydra a few times, and every hand I got at least one Battlewise Hoplite. And, but I never once saw any kind of heroic activator. So I don't know. I mean, I would assume there must be some in that deck. What's the point of having heroic guys if you don't have activators? Right. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. I must have just not gotten gotten any of those in my hands i guess yeah well we played three times so I it's possible so. you didn't you just never saw it oh yeah definitely possible definitely okay. possible so what else what else have you been up to in really, magic this that's week? about it i want to hear what you've been up to lex well um as you said i i played wizard's tower with you and we yeah. faced the hydra i have been playing some of the duels of the planeswalkers 2013 as well um, I've been playing the blue deck quite a bit that I like, which is not the Jace deck. It's the, oh, I can't never remember what it's called. It, the, the main guy in the deck is this, uh, 
blue dude with this like feathered headdress and it has a bunch of flyers and birds and um yeah it's a really fun deck it gets this crazy combo um i, I should have written down the names of the cards if i was going to talk about it oh well but okay. but basically um there's a few different cards you can get this combo in different ways or di- kind of different combinations of different cards but um there's one card that is an enchantment which gives all of your sorceries an instance rebound. Mm. So that lets you um, cast a spell again for free the next turn. Um, and then there's uh, a sorcery which brings two, two, two flying bird, or no, they're Drake token creatures in the play. Okay. So playing that when you have that rebound enchantment out is pretty powerful because wow. you end up with four of those guys over two turns. Nice. Um, and then there's a really awesome spell. I think it's called Time Warp, mm-hmm. which ma- lets you take another turn. And playing that when you have the rebound out is just sick. And then you have another card. I think it's called an Archaeomancer. But it's like a one-two blue creature, and when you summon him, you get to bring a sorcery or a, an instant from your graveyard into your hand. So what I'd love to do is get the enchantment out that gives all my spell, all my sorceries and instants rebound. Mm-hmm. Then I cast Time Warp. <laughs> Next turn, because I get two turns in a row, Time right. Warp rebounds again cast time warp again summon my archaeomancer bring time warp back into my hand and then the next turn cast time you you can get like i don't know like four to six turns in a row what? when oh that happens and it's like if you can't win the game with like six turns all to yourself then you might as well <laughs> give it up wow that's yeah so powerful yeah so i've been all about trying to unlock the rest of that deck and hoping to get more copies of those cards because i only mm-hmm. have one of each of those cards and and really kind of build the deck to to just capitalize on on that combo and get it to happen whenever i can because it's just yeah. ridiculous i think i was playing against you one time when it happened and it just seemed like i just yeah. played by myself for like 20 minutes yeah just, and you even said at the time you're like is this bugged what's going on yeah yeah you're so amazed <laughs> it yeah at the time happening. i didn't understand how the rebound worked and, and i'm like how many times is this thing gonna rebound <laughs> yeah it keeps keeps rebounding every time it rebound my heart like lurched i was like oh no it's working <laughs> Yeah, so so that was pretty cool. Um, we also, uh, you didn't mention this, I, I guess this is more in the immediate future, but this uh, we're recording this on pre-release weekend. Oh, yeah. So we're both planning to go uh, to a pre-release uh, tomorrow mm-hmm. when uh, all the other people around here are watching the Super Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to have much better things to do at the pre-release. That's right. And then we're also planning to go to some pre-release events uh, hosted by the Lady Planeswalkers. So right. we're going to get to play some uh, some sealed, which will be fun. And mm-hmm. then we're also going to be going to a Valentine's Day event that they're doing. And we're going to get to play some Two-Headed Giant. Yeah. So that'll be fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. And I'm super excited to meet Tifa and whoever else um attends and just kind of hang out and see what the culture is and feel the vibe yeah so um should i let the cat out of the bag now sure everyone probably already knows anyway um speaking of tifa we are going to be speaking with tifa in just a few (laughs) minutes um she was kind enough to uh uh give some time to the podcast and Mm -hmm. she is 
going to talk with us about the Lady Planeswalker Society. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, really good stuff. And you can find out all about this great group of people and how you can get involved. So um, I guess that's pretty much it. Um, I guess that's uh, that's all for me for this week. Yep, same here. Really excited about Born of the Gods. Yeah. So uh, next episode, I think we'll have some Born of, Born of the Gods cards in our hands to talk about. Oh, yeah. Which will be fun. Um, really looking forward to it. Me too. Where there is no way, the seeker will find a path. Lesson number four. You said the last one was number four. Number five, then! Are you making these up? Now it's time for my favorite segment, what we're drinking. Lex, why don't you share with us, what are you drinking? Okay, um, today I am drinking Pilsner Urkel, which is a Czech Pilsner. It's actually the original Pilsner. Um, that, that's what all uh, other Pilsners are supposed to be copying, basically, or oh. imitating, or or following the style of. Okay. Um, so this is a nice kind of, I don't want to say light, because it's not light yeah. beer, but mm-hmm. it's a... Um, it's a, uh, light colored beer, I guess I should say. It's not a dark beer. It's a Pilsner. Um, I really like it because you can really taste the Saz hops, which is the noble hops that they use, uh, for flavor. And it gives it a very distinct flavor that it's hard to describe, but once you've tasted it, you'll recognize it in every beer that, that has Saz hops. And I really like it. Um, it's a good beer that I can easily find in six packs and even 12 packs. It's not super expensive. Um, and it's really tasty. So if you like Pilsners, um, and you've never tried Pilsner or Kell, um, give it a shot. It's usually pretty easy to find and it's really tasting and, and really refreshing. How about you, Nikki? What you got over there? Well, I have 1554, which is an enlightened black ale, quote-unquote, um, and that is brewed and bottled by New Belgium, which is a a favorite here at the Starwalker Studios. <laughs> yeah, I, I love New Belgium, and they're in Colorado, right? Correct, okay. yep. Fort Collins, Colorado, and um, it's delicious. Of course, like it says, it's a, it's a black ale, so it's really dark, and it's kind of my go-to lately. I can find it most places. And uh, if you like, you know, something that's malty but very drinkable, I recommend it. Awesome. Sounds great. So next up, we have a really exciting interview for you guys that we told you about already. (laughs) So I'm not going to go into it. Enjoy the interview and uh, let us know what you think. Who goes there? It is I, Arthur, son of Uther Pendragon from the castle of Camelot. And this is my trusty servant, Patsy. We have ridden the length and breadth of the land in search of knights who will join me in my court at Camelot. I must speak with your lord and master. What? Ridden on a horse? Yes. You're using coconuts. What? You've got two empty halves of coconut and you're banging them together. So? Today we have a special guest on the podcast. Tifa Robles of the Lady Planeswalker Society is with us. Welcome to the show, Tifa. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. uh, So I 
graduated from the University of Washington with a degree in creative writing. Uh, and from there, I immediately started working at Wizards of the Coast, um, where my like I was able to do a lot more with my love for Magic the Gathering. Uh, and I also started the Lady Planeswalker Society around the same time, uh, which was something very important to me um, that really took off in a way I didn't expect it to. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about the Lady Planeswalker Society in a minute. Um, but about myself, uh, I worked at Wizards of the Coast in customer service for about nine months before getting a promotion onto the brand team. Um, where I was able to do a lot more for Magic. But after being on the brand team for two years, I decided to um, leave the company because there's more that I can do outside of working there um, that I was unable to do as a Wizards employee. For example, things like this podcast I wouldn't have been able to do before, and now I'm able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm there's more freedom to promote the Lady Planeswalker Society and, um, you know, really dive into diversity and gaming in a way that I wasn't able to before. So, so, uh, so, oh, go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, the Lady Planeswalker Society is a group aimed at, uh, women who play magic or women who want to learn magic, uh, and, also beginner players in general who you know might not want to go into the competitive tournament scene to learn to play magic uh, because it can be very intimidating Uh, and it started at card kingdom in seattle but it's grown and there's roughly 20 chapters around the world now it's really has like a life of its own um and i think it's becoming a well-known thing in the magic community which is really important that's great thanks so much for telling us all about that yeah. Um, so how did you specifically get into magic? Uh, so while I was in college, I was working at a board game store uh, because I was heavy into board games all through college. And it was a really a perfect you know gig through college. Uh, and while I was there, I started working during uh, magic tournament nights and I was becoming friends with a bunch of the players and I just really liked the environment uh, and the energy that the store got when people were there uh, and I worked the M11 pre-release and just really like fell in love with the community and after that it was it was funny because it was like I was talking about magic all the time but I didn't even play yet so my boss who's a good friend of mine sat me down and was like hey I'm gonna teach you how to play this game and really it was it was really like my planeswalker spark was ignited uh which you know as cliche as that is like that's really what happened and within a month I was playing in FNMs and within like three months I tried my hand at a GP and shortly after that was trying my hand at the PTQ scene because uh, I I cared about magic so much that I was like wow I really I really want this to be a big part of my life I was um, getting towards the end of college I was like where do I want to work it was it was in my mind that it would be great to work on magic and I thought maybe one of the ways to do that would be to get on the pro tour um, nothing really happened with the competitive stuff I was still very new to the game so I wasn't very good at magic yet uh, so I never did very well but through those experiences, I really learned that there was a lot of sexism in the community. And, you know, I felt like I wasn't treated the same. Um, I felt there were a lot of people who were like, oh, 
it's just some girl playing like there's no chance she's gonna beat me um things like that that you know were very discouraging but at the same time really made me want to like step up and make a difference so that other women didn't have to go through that the way that i did that's really awesome so i'm curious uh if maybe you could give me and our listeners some advice um as far as like like what can what can i do as just an individual magic player um if if i'm at an event or i'm just playing magic with some people and there are ladies there like what would you recommend like what can i do to just like make the women feel more comfortable and and like they're welcome and you know we want them to be there because we do or at least i do yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's as, it's as simple as just treating them the same as everyone else, you know, like, um, saying hi without it being like, Hey lady, like, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. just, just talking to them, including them in conversations. Uh, if you're playing against her, like try to have a normal conversation, um, without, you know, coming off as either like creepy, like you're hitting on her or, um, like the opposite of that is just not having a conversation because, or like not treating her seriously. Um, even, even things as simple as like expecting her to know how to play the game. Cause I know sometimes I'd sit across from somebody and they'd be like, Oh, by the way, um, like this activated ability works like this or something like that. And it's like, yeah, I totally know that. I'm not sure why you're telling me. Uh, and like, if she makes a mistake, like everyone makes mistakes. Like don't, assume that that means she's brand new to the game or doesn't know what she's doing. Um, so it really just comes down to respect. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not just women. It's, you should respect everyone that way. Uh, and it's, it's hard when you're a woman because a lot of people don't respect you. So as sad as it is, it's almost like you, ex- you, you're expecting to not be respected. Uh, and if we can make, sorry, if we can make the community aware that this is a problem and more people are just aware of like, Oh, okay. You know, I, I see that when I don't talk to the woman because I'm intimidated to make her feel uncomfortable, then like you're actually adding to the problem. Like just try to have a normal conversation, you know, as, as simple as like, Oh, you know, are you, are you from here? Like if you're at a big GP, you're just like, Oh, are you from here? You know, just little small talk like that. It goes a long way. So if we could just um, see each other as people and not even have the, oh, oh, this is a, a woman across the table from me, not even have that like be part of the equation. It seems like it would just make everything easier and more natural. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, this really goes outside of magic too. like in general in, in the world. I wish people would just view others as other human beings. Right. Um and that that would just help the whole problem. Yeah, it would help a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, it really would. So, what are some of the big turnoffs that you've encountered, or other you know, other women that you know have encountered at the magic game or at a magic game? <laughs> um, yeah, I already I already touched on some of them, but I can go a little bit deeper. Uh, one, I have an example that I'd love to share. Oh, that would I be was great. at. I was at my first PTQ ever, and I think this was only like maybe five months into me playing, about that long. Um, So like, you know, I was a little nervous anyway, just because it was like, oh, my first big PTQ. Um, 
I, you know, had, uh, it was actually a green white, uh, summoning trap deck with Emrakul. And I'd played it like so much. I was like, I know this deck so well. Um, but it was still, you know, it was, it was this like exciting, scary feeling to go into it. Um, I didn't do very well. And by the third, it, actually it was the fourth round because I was, I was 03 at the time. Um, going into my fourth round, you know, clearly not doing well, but just wanting to get the practice. And I go against this guy, and in the first game, uh, like, the game took a really long time, and at the end of the... I beat him in the first game. And after I beat him, he, like, yelled at me for five minutes, being like, you were slow playing, I'm not gonna take a loss from somebody who's cheating because they're slow playing, and... I just didn't even know how to react. I was like, whoa, this guy's clearly upset because he's also 03 if he's playing against me. And now he just got beat by a girl. Uh, And it was uh, like, why would he even be so concerned about losing at that point? Because it's not like he was going anywhere in the tournament anyway. And it was just this, this moment where I was like, wow, I, I just was in utter disbelief that somebody would, would say that. Yeah, and I remember you you mentioned just a minute ago about um, you know maybe your uh, F and M or your magic event isn't like the time or the place to to try to hook up with someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Um, so I was actually uh, single when I started to play magic, and there were a number of people who assumed I was there to pick up guys, which was not the case. Um, and the, uh, another interesting thing is, um, sorry, this is a little, little tangent, no, but fine. people were like always assumed that I was there with my boyfriend. Like it was like, Oh, did your boyfriend teach you to play? And it's like, no, I, I, I learned on my own. What? Um, which wow. is another thing, right? Like people just assume that if a girl is playing magic, she's there with her boyfriend. Um, and then of course the moment they knew I was single, then it was, you know, trying to get my number or trying to hit on me and it's like I just want to play this game like <laughs> I'm fine having a conversation as long as it's not you know how you can get me in bed right <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah that, that's definitely part of it uh, and related to that uh, I know one time I was it was at GP Portland actually I was wearing a tank top because it was like you know warm and I like tank tops and like there was a, a group of people that were like, Oh wow. Look at her. She's, she's wearing that so that she can try to win. And it was like, what? That's yeah. It's, there's just so many like inappropriate things like that. Um, and you know, and that's like another reason they were like, Oh, she's here to pick up dudes so we can just talk to her however we want. So what are some of the, um, are there any other uh, stereotypes or misconceptions about um, female players that you'd like to debunk or, or talk about other than, you know, you're there with your boyfriend or you're there to, to hook up with some <laughs> studly magic playing guy? <laughs> yeah, I know one thing. A lot of times when I bring up to people that, like, I'm confused why there's not more women that play magic, because uh, like the the strategy of the game, I don't feel like there's anything about that that women wouldn't like. Um, 
Like, you know, there's plenty of women who play games and there's nothing about magic that should turn them off. And a lot of times people come back with, well, women aren't as competitive as men. Um, and I actually, I have a minor in biological anthropology and can tell you that that is absolutely not true. Um, women are actually just as competitive as men, if not more so. It's just in a different way. Um, but we're still very competitive. Uh, and it's frustrating when people are like, oh, women just don't play games because they're not competitive. And it's like these statements that like, I don't even know where people get that because it's, you know, not true. Um, that's always been one that's really frustrated me. Yeah, that that just blows my mind. Um, even that idea, I don't know where that comes comes from. I've I've yeah. known some very competitive women in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, women can be. I mean, I I've, I've known some like you know, like almost ruthless com- competition <laughs> sure. with women. So, well, you know, I well, you probably don't know, but I have a I have a degree in anthropology, so we could get into this huge uh, anthropology. Um, tangent, I guess. Oh, wow. But, That's awesome. But yeah, as, as a fellow, uh, person who's studied anthropology, as I'm sure you know, but maybe some of our listeners don't, um, you know, a lot of things that we in this society consider like, like as far as gender roles, like, oh, well, that's a guy thing to do or that's a girl thing to do. Um, that's completely cultural and not biological. And you can find cultures on earth where it's completely different and women you know there there are matriarchal societies where the women are considered to be the more aggressive and assertive and the men are more submissive um so i just wish like we could just get this out of people's heads that there's a, a certain way you should be if you're you know just based on your gender because it i think it's much more based on an individual person you know, just some people are more aggressive or more competitive and it doesn't really have anything to do with, you know, what, what sex you are. Yeah, that's completely like, I could not agree more. Uh, cause that's, that's a big part of the problem is that people just accept the way things are and think that they can't be any different. Um, or, you know, they look at like, oh, well, things have always been this way. And it's like, well, first of all, that's not true. And secondly, there are other cultures that are so different from ours that you can't blame it on, you know, our biology or the way we are as humans. Uh, and people just don't get that. And that's actually one of the reasons I was so drawn into anthropology is because it, it helped me learn the different ways to defend that. Um, and, you know, it, it really taught me a lot about, like, the differences, like the real differences between men and women, as opposed to the constraints that the culture puts on us. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so the Lady Planeswalker Society sounds like a great group that helps perpetuate these ideas um, of equality and just having more fun at the gaming table. How can people get involved? Uh, so the closest way you can get involved is to actually... Um, find one in your area, and if there isn't one in your area, um, you know, it's a big commitment, but starting one. Uh, but for anyone who um, isn't in an area where there is one, then, you know, just just spread the awareness. Talk about us. Maybe try to find somebody who can start one. Um, like, if you know a group of women gamers or 
a woman gamer in the card store that's really passionate about it. Like, talk to them about it. Maybe they'd be interested in starting up a group. And one really important thing that I want to bring up, um, a lot of times people assume that my group is exclusive to women, but it's not at all. Um, in fact, my husband helps me a lot uh, run with running the events, and he goes to every event with me. Um, and it's a lot of couples, actually, come and play together and we even have uh, like a friend of ours brings his daughter um, because it's you know it's just a safe environment for people and even though it's called the Lady Planeswalker Society we're welcome to have you know anybody come join us as long as they support uh, our mission that's awesome I was actually wondering about that myself because um, uh, for instance, Nikki and I, we both knit and there are some knitting circles that are women only. And if I were just to show up, I'd, I'd be getting a lot of weird looks. And um, yeah. so it's good to know <laughs> that, that this is uh, open to anybody that wants to participate. And um, so so your, I guess, chapter or whatever you'd call it of the society, like what kind of events do you guys do? Uh, so right now I'm running two chapters. We just opened an east side um, the east side of Seattle, so Redmond chapter um, that we run every other Thursday. And then the Card Kingdom one has been going for almost three years, and it's every Tuesday night. Uh, and I run all sorts of events. I try to have one multiplayer event a month, uh, which could be Commander or Plane Chase. Um, we've tried other weird things, too. We do all sorts like. Any type of magic you can think of. We've probably done it at one point or another. Um, I also try to have a draft every month because draft is my favorite format and I know a lot of people feel the same way. And I try to have a standard tournament every month just because I think it's, um, I think it's important for people to know what's, um, current and, uh, it's an easy format to get into if you're new because it's so recent that like, you know, if you pick up an intro pack, you can, get a couple boosters in the intro pack and you have a standard deck that you can, you know, bring to the event. And when we have so many new players all the time, um, you know, they can play with other new players easily without there being like 20 years of cards to find. Uh, and then, you know, the, that, that only covers three weeks out of the month. So we do all sorts of other events. Uh, for example, we have a two headed giant, sealed event coming up for valentine's day uh, because it's a lot of couples our first year we had a valentine's day event that was a huge success so now every year we have a valentine's day event um we built a cube i created a format that i like to call spontaneous cube creation where everyone just brings 45 cards that are decent cards but that they don't want to keep um and they would donate it into our cube, and then we would draft those cards. And it, after doing this three or four times, uh, my husband and I went through, got rid of all the duplicates, got rid of cards that were like just bad, or cards that were a little too complicated for somebody who might be fairly new to the game, um, and built a cube that is like a communal cube that everyone donated to. Um, and we occasionally, every like six months or so, we have an event where we get to play with that. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of other formats, but if, if you know of other formats, we've probably tried it at some point. All right. So here's one for you. Have you tried Wizards Tower yet? <laughs> um, I have not. I do. I, I have played Wizards Tower myself. 
Um, the problem with Wizard's Tower is I haven't been able to figure out... Um, I need to talk to the store and figure out, like, how many packs we would need for, like, for people and how much, like, the entry fee would be. Uh, so I, I need to do that, actually. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, your cube sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds really cool. It's interesting. It's very different than any other cube. Because, like I said, people could just bring whatever cards they wanted. Um, so it's definitely not, like, powered cube or even, like, a popper cube. Because you could have some really, really good rares. Uh, my husband and I donated, I think, over 200 of, like, very good um cards to make sure that you know they were in there so it's it's almost more like a wacky draft actually because you know you do have the powerful rares but you also have all these commons that are like okay well this might work for this deck <laughs> um but it's it's a lot like like a wacky draft actually <laughs> yeah that sounds really cool that actually sounds um more interesting to me than like a like a power cube like a lot of people mm-hmm. do think that would be fun um yeah th- this is kind of i guess going back a little bit but i just thought of it um we've we've talked about the psychographics a little bit on the show you know the spike johnny and timmy thing yeah and i mean i don't really know this because this is kind of new to me but it it would not surprise me if there are some stereotypes as far as uh female players and which of those psychographics they tend to fall in but i'm i'm willing to bet that there's plenty of uh girl spikes out there would you agree with that i definitely agree because i am a spike as much as i try to not be i am super spike awesome (laughs) um yeah i'm i'm extremely competitive and that's actually that's perfect um that's one thing i'd like to talk about with my group is even though we have a lot of beginner players i also try to appeal to people that even as high as pro um, can come play at our events. Uh, we actually had Melissa Del Toro come and it, what was fascinating to me is I think she went like 2-2 which I was like, whoa! I was so, like, you know, may- maybe she had some bad luck but I, I just felt really proud of my group that like, you know, a pro player can come in and not necessarily just destroy everyone and not have a good time. Um, but she had like a great time. Um, we got to play and our game was really close. I don't, I think she beat me, but it was like, you know, it was awesome to see that. Uh, and one of the things I do, I don't want that to like scare away beginner players because one of the things that I do is I take a look at who's there and I pair people against people that are close to the same skill level. Um, it's a, it's a casually sanctioned event. So everybody gets one Planeswalker point. So it's not like, you know, changing the pairings is going to affect anybody's Planeswalker points or anything like that. Um, I, I just want to make sure everyone has a good time. And one of the ways I do that is I pair, you know, if I know somebody's another spike, I might pair them against me. Um, and if I know two people are like just learning the game, I'll pair them against each other so that everybody is having this like good experience um, and not, you know, getting completely destroyed or you know being on the other side of that and like feeling like you're just like crushing somebody's dreams so uh but we we do have you know spikes timmy's johnny's you name it and we we have them in our group and i really like that about it awesome well um i i have to say even if i i wasn't married and likely to to come one of to one of these things with my with my wife um i 
I think I'd be very interested in the society just because it sounds like a great way to meet um, other, you know, decent magic players. And by decent, I don't mean how they play magic, but just decent people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it really is like I one of the bridesmaids at my wedding was somebody that I met through Lady Planeswalker Society. And like most of my close friends at this point, I met through that. Um, so it definitely is like that. Wow. It sounds like it's having quite an impact on people's lives in general, too. Yeah. I, I mean, it definitely has on mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's I hope to see you guys there some night. Oh, yeah. Well, the Valentine's Day event sounds very exciting to me. <laughs> yeah. Is that actually on Valentine's Day? Um, no. There's Good. so it's the t- <laughs> there's a there's a Tuesday event and a Thursday event that week. Okay. And they're both. Uh, two-headed giant sealed. Well, that's awesome. We, I think we may try to make that because we've been wanting <laughs> to try a two-headed giant sealed together because um, Nikki's fairly new to magic and she's definitely new to the deck building side of it. Yeah. So yeah. just the, the fact that we can kind of build our decks together and, and I can help her. Not that I'm an expert by any stretch, <laughs> but... Um, for her to kind of do a sealed event by herself, I think would be really rough because she hasn't really built decks before. Yeah, and kind of daunting to me. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's that's another great thing about the group. Um, Nikki, if you were to come and let's say there was a draft and you were, you know, having a hard time building your deck, mm-hmm. we, all of us, you know, love to help each other. Um, it's not like this, like, oh, deck building, everybody, you know, stare at your cards and don't speak. Um, it's very much like a communal effort um, when we have newer players, you know, I check in on them. I'm like, Oh, do you want any help? Um, and you know, Lex could totally help you build your deck. You guys could work together on that. Uh, and that's, you know, one of the great things about it. Well, I think in that case, I, I might be getting some help from someone too, because yeah. <laughs> I have a lot to learn. Yeah. My husband and I love helping people that show up and are fairly new. Oh, you shouldn't say that to me. I'll have like 30 questions. <laughs> That sounds awesome. <laughs> well, Tifa, um, would you like to tell our our listeners um, how they can get a hold of you and how they can get a hold of the Planeswalkers, Lady Planeswalkers Society? Yeah. Uh, so you can always find me on Twitter, and it's at Tifa Robles, which is T-I-F-A-R-O-B-L-E-S. Uh, and I... Oh, sorry, one moment. Um, I also have a YouTube channel with my husband that's youtube.com slash Mike Antifa and we talk about Lady Planeswalker Society and all cool things in gaming. Those are the main two ways to find me. Uh, for Lady Planeswalker Society, you can find us at on Twitter at MTG Lady Society and I highly recommend going to our Facebook group and joining because uh, that's where most of the conversations happen and we also post our like upcoming month calendar all the time. That sounds perfect. Is there anything else you'd like to mention to our listeners? Um, Nothing I can think of. Thank you for listening. And thank you guys very much for having me on the show. This was great. Yes. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tifa. It was great speaking with you and learning more about your Lady Planeswalkers Society. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I was really excited to do this, this interview. Um, you know, the, 
this I, I feel like this makes us a little bit more than just another silly magic podcast because <laughs> we, we can actually talk about something that matters in in real life and and matters to people and I mean I don't know this this thing with with girls in the geek culture I mean I'm old enough that I remember when there were no girls I, I grew up in Indiana and I mean I was in college before I ever played any kind of nerdy game with a girl um <laughs> so i am very happy to see more women participating and i'd really like to see even more women participating and you know i don't know for for as many times as i hear other guys saying similar things but then you know they'll turn around and and just do these things that are that are total turnoffs and you know, if we want, if we want ladies to game with, we, we got to treat them right, you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I like what you said about just treating them as an equal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not like you have to distinguish. So, so it was great. Yeah. Don't put us on a pedestal. Just, just treat us like, you know, the next person. Right. <laughs> there aren't any easy answers. Magic isn't good or bad. It's complicated. <sighs> That's lesson number six. You are making these up, aren't you? Our magical artistry segment is kind of going to be broken up into two parts today because, Lex, I know you have some things to share with us about artists that we've discussed in the past. Yeah, so um, as you guys know, we've we've been looking at some Born of the Gods uh, spoilers for the last couple weeks. And uh, I noticed uh, some names that were familiar to me, thanks to uh, the artists we've talked about. Mm-hmm. So the first uh, artist that we talked to you guys about was Peter Moorbacher. And uh, he's the one that had the awesome uh, Kickstarter. And he did Erebos and Swan Song, yeah. among other things, in Theros. So a few of the cards um, in Born of the Gods that he has done art for is Mogus God of Slaughter. That looks awesome. Which is a red black um god or the red black god, right. I should say. Um and that is a really, really cool image. Um and also I don't remember which ones now, but a few of these have some alternate art for the pre-release. Oh. And these are all the original art images. So so he didn't do I don't remember which card it was, but whichever card it was, he didn't do the pre-release art. He did the regular art that's going to be on the regular card. Okay. Um, He also did Eater of Hope, Mm -hmm. which is a black creature, a flying demon. Um, And he did Brimaz, King of Arescos, who is a white legendary cat soldier. With, which cool. is a um, a- actually this card and Mogus are both mythic rare, and oh yeah, the Eater of Hope is rare. Okay. Um. So yeah, check these cards out. They're all really cool. Definitely. And if I may, the Eater of Hope that image, I feel like that's what Peter does so well as he creates these creepy kind of characters, and this one's like hovering above everybody and just looks like he's ready to dive down on someone. Yeah, he is really creepy. Um, I think the Brimaz is just really stunning art. Mm-hmm. And then Mogus is just so cool. It's like so 
he's so huge over this landscape. It, it really, to me, I think of, of all the gods I've seen, this is the one that most, to me, conveys like this hugely powerful being like towering mm-hmm. over the humans. Like, mm-hmm. Just the sense of scale in this this picture is really cool. It is awesome. But the king of Orskos, I'm not sure how you say that. Orskos? Yeah, Orskos. I love the cat creatures. And in this image, um, the actual gold, like the crown that he's wearing and the robes that he's wearing. It just, I love all the gold everywhere. And it just, it really kind of makes him look like he's part of a culture, a specific culture with a, a real identity. So... Cool. Yeah, and so for those of you that like making your cat decks, we're gonna have some some new cats <laughs> for you. And he's a legendary, mm. so um, he could even be a commander for your commander deck. Although oh, you, you'd cool. have to be mono white, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually uh, kicking around the idea of making either a just a regular constructed deck or a commander deck, um, a blue green one using um, all of the the blue green cards. Uh, from from Born of the Gods, like Kiora and mm-hmm. Kiora's handmaiden or whatever it was. Follower. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. the the blue green god, which I can't remember who that is. Mm-hmm. Um and and try to build a deck around those. I think it'll be fun. So then our our second artist that we talked about um in our last episode, Eric Deschamp, he did a few uh cards in Born of the Gods as well. Um and uh he uh man these cards these cards are really cool he did a fara god of the polis um so this is if you've seen one piece of art from born of the gods this is probably the one you've seen um it's everywhere on the net right now but it's this woman we talked about it earlier she's got this large drinking vessel she's pouring water out of it but the water is like the stars of nyx um, she's wearing this really cool um, blue dress. She's got some kind of rolled up uh, piece of paper. It could be a map. I'd like to think it's a blueprint for a building because she's the god of the polis. Oh. So maybe she's got some new design for a new uh, coliseum or uh, something yeah. that, uh, that she's going to inspire someone with. Mm-hmm. Um, and just very, very beautiful. And she is the blue-white goddess um, I noticed they call the, the female gods gods. They don't call them goddesses. Oh, good point. Um, I wonder if it was just to save space because mm-hmm. they're having, whoops, sorry. They're having to cram so much text on the card anyway. They can save a bunch of letters by saying god instead of goddess. Yeah. Or I wonder if there's, um, more to it than that. It, it definitely sim- simplifies things. Mm-hmm. It makes it a little more, I guess, gender, gender neutral, but mm-hmm. I like calling them goddesses because. I mean, being a goddess is a good thing, right? Yeah. It's not an insult. <laughs> That's Hell, right. someone could call me a goddess and I'd be like, <laughs> thank you. Um, okay, next we have Karametra, god of harvest. And um, again, on my printout, it's really crappy. I can't tell, but I think when I was looking at this before, this is a, a, a female deity as well too, right? You yeah, think? and it sounds like it from the name. And uh, Sakara Metra is the green and white goddess. And um, this is really cool art, too. It's, I don't know, it's it doesn't, like, 
grab you like like Mogus does or even Afara. It's a little mm-hmm. more understated, but when you look, it's so beautiful. Like the sky and the grass and the colors and um, I really like it. Yeah, and it kind of looks like there's a dragon being behind her or something like that lying on the ground. Do you see that? Yeah, well, this printout, it's hard to tell. It could be a hill. I'm not sure. could be a hill or a dragon. <laughs> yeah, you should probably look at a higher resolution image. And then we have uh, Nyxborn Shieldmate, which is another uh, card that Eric Deschamp did the art for. Mm-hmm. And this is a white enchantment creature, a human soldier. And this is... Uh, this guy looks very Spartan to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then we have Kiora's Follower, which we talked about before, which is a, a blue and green creature, a merfolk. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so he did the art for that one, too. So two uh, two mythic rares, right? One common and then yes. Kiora's Follower is an uncommon, so... Yes, and and these are just the ones that are out as of the time that I made these notes. There's probably more now because they release more cards every day. So okay, but that you know, um, I'm sure you can find some more that these guys did, but but that's just a sampling. So so go uh, check them out. We'll link them in the show notes and and go check out uh, this art. It's really cool. Definitely. So uh, back to you, Nikki. You're going to tell us about someone new now, right? Yes. And he is actually one of your favorite artists and you don't really even know it. Yeah. What's his name? Chris Ron. Never heard of him. R-H-N. He's got two first names though. I know. <laughs> Poor guy. But his website is ronart.com. The is it reason- Ron? Like R-O-N, Ron? No, it's R-A-H-N. Oh, okay. Well, then that's not two first names. It's not so bad, huh? N- no. Okay. <laughs> nobody whose name is Ron spells it R R O H N. Yeah. R A H N. R A H N. Yeah. Okay, that's the last name. Okay. Well, I'm sure to... he'll sleep easier now that, that I think his name's actually a last Oh name. yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm he's sure got he was approval. really concerned. <laughs> <laughs> well, he um oh, go to his website. The reason I'm telling you this first is because we're going to talk about some of his pieces and you can find a lot of them on his site. It's ronart.com. R A H N art.com we'll link it yep we will definitely link it he has done um oh man he's done all sorts of stuff including the box art for the hobbit and the lord of the rings trading card game which i didn't even know there was one <laughs> oh sorry it. sorry i, I dozed lord off the there rings. <laughs> oh you were talking about lord of the rings yeah this is a magic podcast I know. I just want to talk about what he's done before. Give him a little credibility here. Um, He's done stuff for Blizzard. You've probably seen his work um, in the Discovery Channel magazine, tour publishing, all sorts of stuff. But my favorite piece that he's done, well, your favorite, I know it, is Nylea. Oh, he did Nylea. Yep. And you can find it on his site. It's a gorgeous piece. And um, that's a mythic rare god. And he's done, let's see, oh, he's done a mythic rare legendary creature, Gorgon, in the Theros set called Hythonia the Cruel. And hmm. I can actually give you an image here, Lex. And it's just interesting, the different colors that he uses. And um, his work is, well, it's pretty epic. I mean, look at Nylea. And he's done Voyager's End, which is a common instant card we see all the time. Yep. I love that card. Definitely. And he's done Ashen Rider. And that's a mythic rare creature. And the image is of a large lion, a flying lion. 
Cool. There he is. And it's so neat because you have this lion and you have the rider. Is that a lion or a tiger? Oh, is it a tiger? I can't see it from here, but it kind of looks like a... There's a bigger image for you, Lex. Yeah, that looks like a... Well, actually, it looks like a saber-toothed tiger. Okay. Which, yeah, the, which is more teeth. like a lion than a modern tiger. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay. Well, I mean, if you look at, at them, they look more like a lion than a tiger. They have the narrower head. and. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and then behind the rider and the creature... Um, that the rider is riding. Just gray is... mist, right? <laughs> no gray oh, mist. We there's have a background. An actual structure with nice. detail in the architecture, and we have a landscape. I mean, you can see this kind right. of dark, desolate landscape below them, but it just gives it a little bit more meaning. And as you said, context. See, that's what we point. were talking about. That's the difference between mm-hmm. the Theros and the Gate Crash are right, right there. Look at that. That's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And behind them is darkness, and in front of them is light, and I kind of like that, too. And so his work, I mean, you can tell he puts thought into it, and it's just, it turns out really great. Um, he has done things from Gate Crash, and um, his, actually, my favorite image of his, I know I, I said Nylea was, but I love Lord of the Void, and that's a black creature. Hmm. Okay. And it's just really neat um, to see all these other little creatures in the image. And that one, he does the entire thing is kind of on an angle. And it just makes it more visually interesting. Um, he has done, I found, four different dragons in the past. I'm big on dragons, so I had to look for the dragons. Cool. And the, the volcanic dragon and the thunder dragon pretty much look like big red dragons. that you see them often, but he has kind of a different take on two others. There's um, Croesus the Perger, and he's this black dragon, but he literally looks more like a, a worm, I guess. And he has like scale, big scales that look like armor. I don't know. Something about it just was more interesting than a lot of dragons that I see. So yeah, definitely look him up, look on his website, and check out all his work. Awesome. You can find him on Facebook. And um, he posts what events he'll be attending on Facebook. So look him up. And he's going to be at, uh, in 2014, he'll be in Melbourne. So for our Australian friends out there. And, um, oh, there's a link to his blog on his site where he posts images of his new work and stuff like that. So that's really cool to keep up on. And I found out on there that he keeps a skull collection, which is great for artists. Because when you're doing a creature like that, um, Sabretooth creature, you need references to say, okay, what would the skull, what would the head actually look like, where would the teeth be and all that. Right. So it's really cool. Um, and he has some great ideas for other artists. And you can buy his work from his website. His website will actually link you to his Etsy shop. And he has prints on there for $20. I mean, if you love art, but you're on a budget, he's a great artist to look into. I'm getting a Nylea print. That would be great. Yeah, we have to look on there and see yeah. if he's selling that. Yeah. Yeah, I have uh, my play, my play mat is Nylea. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the image from the Nylea card. I, I love it. So you have his artwork already. <laughs> I wish I had her abs. <laughs> so <you>. do I. <laughs> you could bounce a quarter off those abs, I'll bet. <laughs> and and I, I just have to say, I'm really glad that she doesn't have tits the size of her head. You know, it's so nice to see a piece of fantasy art with a woman in it that, like, is not ridiculous. Yeah, she's I'm, kind of elven in that Right, way. well, yeah, I don't know if she's actually an elf, but 
I mean, it would make sense if she were, or at least looked kind of like an elf, because they're the forest, you know, one of the forest races, you right. know, in yeah. magic. And yeah. yeah, like elves don't have huge jugs, you know, I mean, <laughs> they're supposed to be tiny, you know, like thin and slight and graceful and all that. And mm-hmm. But yet, if I had a dollar for every time I saw an illustration of some elven woman with these huge jugs, it's like, come on, people. <laughs> who draws this stuff? So yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of Nylea of that piece of art. It's just it's really cool. Actually, you know, I was I wasn't thinking of that when I was talking about Mogus. That that's another one that really gives you the scale because she's yeah. standing mm-hmm. over mountains and trees and she's like in the sky with her bow and mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of cool. It, to me it also kind of conveys the enchantment nature of the gods because she looks kind of like she's there but she's not yeah and and i'm not even sure what i guess it maybe it's the kind of the mist around her because it's not like you can see through her like she looks solid but like her hair you're you're like looking into nicks when you look into her hair right and yeah it's just really cool yeah and along her arm and then at the tip of the bow or at the tip of the arrow there's a star so it's really cool how he pulled it all together and did, did you oh, notice the colors of her arrows i've been wondering about this she's got oh yeah one arrow on the bow and then it looks like three in her quiver mm-hmm. and they all have different colored feathers um mm-hmm. but they're not the colors of magic it, it looks like the one on the bow is red and then she's got a blue and an orange and a green one yeah in the quiver and orange is not a color as far as the colors of magic. Right, so right. I'm not sure. I, I mean, we might have to ask the artist, but I'm sure the colors mean something. Or maybe he was just like, I like these colors. I yeah. Think they go well together. It's funny. You thought about that a lot more than I did. I've never looked at them that closely because I saw the blue and the green and figured that just he did those colors to push it into the background because okay. those are kind of atmospheric colors. And maybe the green is like reflecting the trees. I don't okay. know. But yeah, the bronze of that one, the orange color. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And that's kind of like a sunset color. Yeah, totally. But, but then it matches like her leather that she's wearing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've probably spent more time looking at this piece of art than any other just because it's my play mat. So right. Yeah. I look at it a lot. And For sure. God knows I'm not looking at the card because I don't have it. <laughs> We're going to get you that card somehow. Does he sign <laughs> cards like uh, Peter Morbacher does? Yes, I believe, um, at least when I was looking at his prints, he said, specify if you don't want me to sign the print. Otherwise, every print's going to no, get No, I mean signed. cards. But yeah, the cards. Because you said that Peter Morbacher, you can like send him Erebos and your Erebos card and he'll sign it for you. Yeah, I did not see anything about the signing of cards. So you'd have to look at, at his site in a little more detail. He might say something about it. I know a lot of magic artists do that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd love to get a get an Ilya and have him sign it. That'd be cool. One step at a time, Lex. Gotta yeah. get the card. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna go in my commander deck, my blue green commander deck. Awesome. Of Nylea and Thassa and then whatever the blue green goddess or god is going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if we know yet. Because Kiora is a plane planeswalker, right? Oh right, she is. I kept yeah. thinking she was a god. You're right. Yeah, but there w- there will be a god, so mm-hmm. I'm curious what the blue green god will be the god of. So, yeah, so Nylea is the god of the hunt, mm-hmm. and Thassa is the god of the, it feels so weird saying god, is the god of the <laughs> um, ocean, right? I think so. So, blue and green, 
Yeah, I don't know. And then Ephara is the god of the polis, which is city, right? Right. The and that, that makes okay. sense because white is is the color of civilization and blue is the color of knowledge and learning. Right. And, you know, in in history, you know, the the Greek pol 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 poli? I can't remember what the plural of polis is, but they know. were they were that's what they were all about. Like, oh, okay. um, they were centers of knowledge and learning. And, oh. and so it makes sense that, that that's what she's the God of, that's but cool. the green and blue, I don't know, maybe God of coastal communities, but that doesn't seem like a big enough <laughs> portfolio for a God like that. I don't know. I guess yeah. we'll find out. That would be a long name. The God of coastal communities. <laughs> <laughs> the God of fishermen. <laughs> a wizard is never late. Frodo Baggins. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. So let's wrap it up for you guys. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Tifa. It was lovely to have her on. We are honored that she joined us. Yes, thank you, Tifa. You rule. Next time we'll have to have Mike on too, her yeah, husband. Yeah, absolutely. And if you haven't stopped at the website yet, please do. You can find us at starwalkerstudios.com slash planeswalkersofnyx. And feel free to email us. You can email us at lexstarwalker at gmail.com. You can send us your questions, comments on the show. Tell us what you'd like. Tell us what you don't like. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, feedback is great. It makes the show better. And you can find me on Twitter at Nikki Starwalker. And my Twitter handle is at Lex Starwalker. Thank you again for listening to Planeswalkers of Nyx. I'm Nikki Starwalker. And I'm Lex Starwalker. And whether you're walking on Nyx or some other plane, may your magic always be colorful. This has been a Starwalker Studios production, your source for quality science fiction and fantasy podcasts. This episode's music provided by Stanko, Cloudwalker, Ish, Renfield, and Transboy. Please see the show notes for more details at starwalkerstudios.com. I'm awesome!